Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. We are this week in the third week, and we've talked about, you know, we, we've talked about the fact that we, we, we had hope, you know, remember hope? Okay. We talked about peace, remember peace? I scared all of you with Matthew 24 and 5. Like, yeah, that is about. But this week, how many people know what? I lit the wrong candle. Oh, well. How many of you know what this week is? Joy. Thank you. And I get a pass on lighting the wrong candle. It's joy. And, and here is something I want you to remember. The title of the message is The Joy of Our Faith. But what I want you to remember is this, is that Christianity is not a somber faith. It's a joy-filled faith. Now, seriously, you're going, eh, maybe, maybe not. You're not sure. It's meant to be a joy-filled life. It's meant to be a joy-filled experience. And again, I realize that our critics and those who are not, you know, on the inside of the community of faith look into the church and say, well, they must be miserable. Now, really, you must be unhappy. I mean, look at all the things you can't do anymore. Look at look, look, all the thou shalt nots. The Bible's full of thou shalt nots. Or at least that's their perception. And it's, you know, it's, it's really full of a lot of thou shalts as well. You know, there's tremendous things. And so this, this morning during this third week of Advent that we are celebrating, I want us to consider this whole thing about the joy of our faith and the joy as the Bible defines it. Now, let's talk about biblical joy versus what I'll call circumstantial joy. You know, or, or, or a joy that's based on what's happening as opposed to a joy based on what God has done in our lives. And if you go into the Bible, there are a number of different words. There's actually 15 different Hebrew words for joy, all of which are translated as joy in the English. There are eight different Greek words that are translated as joy. And the word study on that can, can, can be exhaustive. However, the most common New Testament word for joy is anglicized or English version is Chara or Akara, it's C-H-A-R-A or X-A-R-A, and it shares an etymological root. Did I say that correctly? Uh, yeah, close enough. Its derivation comes from a similar place to some words that you may also be familiar with, one of which is charis or, or, or charis. Now, that word means God's extended grace. It's where we get the word charismatic. It means that God extends grace to us, and, and joy is based on that extension of God's grace. It's similar to another word that, that we know called kario or chario, and, and that means rejoicing because of grace. I mean, you know, something happens, God's grace is, is in us, and we, we recognize that grace, and it causes us to respond. And, you know, that famous passage in Matthew's gospel about the three wise men, and how they looked out and they saw a star. And it says this, that when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. The, the joy word there is kario. They recognized that God's grace was being extended and they celebrated and they worshiped. And that's, that's the essence of biblical joy. The essence of biblical joy is joy produced because of God's grace. That's it. You, it's that. Now, let's talk about Jesus' birth in Bethlehem and the whole Christmas message and in the context of the second coming. There was, there was a work of grace that was released at Bethlehem. It was worth a great. Jesus came, you know, God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. God the Son, 
And that began something. Something started. And then he, he ministered for a number of years. And then he went to Calvary and he died. And then he ascended. And then we had the descent of the Spirit. God the Spirit that, that, that began to cover the world. And from that, that place in, in Bethlehem and, and Golgotha and Jerusalem, you see this work of grace just go out. And it's continued for 2,000 years. And that work of grace will not be done until Jesus comes back. And then it'll be finished. It'll be completed. And so because of that, the defining characteristic of a disciple, the defining characteristic of a disciple of Jesus, not a believer in Jesus, not someone who identifies as a Christian, but somebody who is a disciple of Christ, is evidence of the ongoing work of grace in their life. You look at their life and you see evidence of grace. And one of those evidences of grace is this biblical joy I'm talking about. If you, if you go to Galatians 5, it talks about joy being a work of the Spirit in our life. You see people, it's not that they're perfected, it's not that they've arrived, because this is an ongoing work of grace. I mean, you see someone's life, and it's meant to have ebbs and flows, but it's meant to be moving in an ever-focused direction, and that focus is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And it's a work of grace in our life that does that. And one of the things that happens is we begin to live this, this biblical joy that we're talking about. In fact, uh, uh, Paul referred to this, you know, when he was writing to the Philippians, you know, he, he's in jail. And honestly, he's, he's not having a good time. He's really not. In fact, he would just as soon die. He says that, literally. He said, it's better for me if I check out of here. Because if I check out of here, I'm going home. I'm going home to be with Christ. And I, I mean, it's, it's good up there. It's way better up there than what I'm going through right now. But then he, he makes this statement to them. And again, this is Paul writing. He says, knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And I don't know how many times I've read that, but until I was kind of studying for this, I thought, wait, 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 pause, time out, you know, full stop. Wait, you stayed in jail. You continued to write epistles. You continued to do that so that my faith would not just be an intellectual thing, but it would also be an emotional thing so that I can experience the joy that's supposed to accompany my faith. And I thought, then Lord, open up my eyes to, to whatever it is that, that Paul was teaching so that I can walk in that joy. Because all of us, I think, want to walk in the joy of the Lord. Amen? We know those various passages, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We used to sing that in the 80s. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Can you guys, how many of you know that song? Can we just kind of hum our, yeah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And we'll stop there. Those of you who sing along, you're all candidates for redeemers. We'll be uh, <laughs> not totally, but a little more than you'd like to admit. But, but you, you see that. <laughs> you know, we see in Psalms 43, why so downcast, oh, my soul, put your hope in God. And so I want to talk about that this morning, the experiencing the joy of our faith, living in that joy. And so I want to share five things that I believe are, are, that if we embrace these activities, if we embrace these mindsets, they will release a supernatural work of God's grace in our life that will produce 
greater joy. And who doesn't need greater joy? Everybody needs greater joy. Amen. So let's begin with the very first one. There is a joy from revelation. And by revelation, I mean revelation of the word of God. You, you see this said in 1 John 5 and in uh, John chapter 16. But, but in John chapter 15, 11, it says this. I, and this is Christ's teaching. He said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy. Whose joy? My joy, our joy, your joy, the person beside you. Look at the person beside you. Pat, get that frown off your face. <laughs> Pretend you're saved. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, come on. So that your joy will overflow. I mean, that's, that's, that's mind-blowing. Wait, 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 wait. So Jesus' teachings are supposed to bring us joy? The word of God is meant to bring us joy if we understand it correctly? That's pretty impressive. So, so, I mean, this may just seem obvious, but if you are lacking in joy, what may be missing from your life? Do, 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 do. I'll let you pause, chew on that. What's missing from your life is a revelation of God's word. How do you get a revelation of God's word? You read it. You listen to ministers who are expounding on it. You, you, you go to Bible-based, Bible spirit-filled teaching. Not just academic teaching. Teaching that talks about the goodness of the Lord. Teaching that talks about the hope of our, of our salvation. The hope of our salvation. The joy of our salvation. The, 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 the presence of God and what it can do in our lives. You know, I, 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 I am critically aware of the fact that, that, that there, there's, there's an epidemic of emotional and mental challenges in, in modern American culture. We've, we've managed to, to really mess people up good. And I'm, we just have, okay? And our solution is to medicate everybody. And trust me, I am not against antidepressants. They are a godsend for many, many people. But I'm telling you, one of the things that people should be, you know, I don't know, prescribing is, hey, go home and read your Bible. Go home and read the words in red. Go home and read what God, and then ask God, give you revelation of this stuff, because it'll, 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 it'll rock your world in a good way. Because suddenly, I mean, wait, God's not against me? God's for me? God's not trying to hurt me? He's not trying to condemn me? You know, I did not send my son into the world to condemn the world, but through my son, the world could be saved? God's not up in heaven trying to be capricious and arbitrary and just, you know, I just don't like you. Benjamin, I'm mad at you, so I'm going to make your life miserable. God's not saying that. Sorry, you set close, you know, it's, you know. By the way, if you're a young uh, college age, a young adult, he's got a great Bible study he leads on Wednesday night. So I encourage you to be a part of that because uh, you would learn something good. And they have vigorous and interesting discussions, do you not? Hey, Ben, I know my kids go there. and They're, they're part of the problem. No, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> they're not here, God forgive me. Uh, but, 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 you know, here is the deal. Get into the word of God. So that's the first thing, the, the, the joy from revelation. The second thing is joy from anticipation. Do you remember how cool it was as a kid to look forward to Christmas? I mean, did you ever have a gift that you thought might be coming your way? And you thought, I wonder if my parents can afford it. I wonder if they're really going to do it for me. Boy, I hope so, hope so, hope so. And there was just this kind of pringly prickly kind of whatever. One year, my parents were, we didn't have a lot of money, but we wanted 10-speed bikes. Remember when they, when 10-speeds were cool? You know, where Mike Malone, I had, a, I had, I wanted a Schwinn Varsity. 
It was expensive. And my parents in the fall had brought these boxes home and put them in the garage and covered them with a tarp and said, by God, on threat of death, don't you look in that. <laughs> you know, and my father was probably serious, so we, we didn't. But we would peer into the garage and we would look through the window and I'd go in and kind of look at it. And so you couldn't see what was on the box. You couldn't see underneath the tarp. And my brother and I, you know, we would just, wait, what do you think it is? What do you think it is? Could be a bike. Think it's a bike. Think it's a bike. You know, but bikes are really expensive. I don't know if we can afford a bike. And there was this whole sort of just, you know, childlike thing. And when we opened it up on Christmas morning, what did I have waiting for me? But this banana yellow Schwinn Varsity, most ugly color in the world. <laughs> but it was a 10-speed, and I found out what had happened is, is there were these two bikes that no one else wanted at the Schwinn place, and they were marked down. And so, but hey, I rode that bike proudly for a number of years because it may have been an ugly yellow, but it was my ugly yellow. <laughs> And it was my gift, and it was a great gift, but I just remember the weeks leading up to that. How I look forward to that. And I think that's, that's the way we ought to live our lives. We know there are promises from God that haven't shown up yet. Anybody waiting on a promise from God? And, and is it meant to be a miserable time? No. It's meant to be a joy-filled time. And I, I love how they described you know, uh, Abraham. And, and, and in Hebrews 6.15, it said, Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. There are times in your life you're waiting on something, and it hadn't shown up yet. And, and you have a choice to make. You can be miserable, or you can be joy-filled. And the way you get joy-filled is you ask God for a greater work of grace. Touch my heart. Give me peace until the manifestation. Give me peace. Give me, give me a freedom from the torment that it might not happen. Help me stand in faith. That's the joy of faith. You get the word and you get the patience, and that anticipation becomes a gift, not a, not a, not a just awful experience. But I don't want to stop there. Because the funny thing is the Bible talks about something called joy, <laughs> joy from opposition. How messed up is that? <laughs> Well, it's not messed up if you know you win. I mean, the, James said this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Not just you know, a little bit of joy. Great joy. Wonderful joy. It's when somebody gets up in your grill and they want to knock you down. You're going, dude, you're messing with the wrong person because I'm going to thoroughly enjoy trashing you. Now, I'm not telling you to go get in a fight. Uh, okay, I'm not telling you to go get in a fight. But, but I went to college with this guy. He's about five foot eight, and he had the biggest shoulders. He was a roofer by, by, by you know, his second, you know, he was going to engineering school, and he was being a roofer. had huge forearms, huge shoulders. And there was some nerdy kid with a lip on him that decided to mouth off to Greg. His name was Greg. And we were, you know, at the, at the dorms, and we were on the second floor, and this kid was down in the parking lot, and he was messing with Greg's car. And Greg said, you mess with my car, you know, you, you're going to be in trouble. And this guy looks up and goes, will you come on down and say that to my face? And Greg looks at me, gets a big smile on his face and goes, I'm going to kick somebody's butt. I'm going to kick somebody's butt. And he runs down the, I mean, he runs down the stairs and just clocks this kid and just knocks him right out. And I'm going like, I don't know if that's biblical, but you get the point. <laughs> if you know you're going to win, you are not afraid of the fight. 
Now, now this guy got a couple of swings into Greg, but it just made him happier. It was, it, it was one of, you guys know when I'm, guys, I'm looking around, you know what I'm talking about? Some guys take a punch and they smile. Those are the ones you avoid, <laughs> okay? Because that's the way he was. But spiritually, spiritually, what is James talking about? How, how do we develop joy from opposition if it's not based on the fact that we win? That, that, that there are no promises from God that you as a human can take from me. You can't steal what my God has given me. I don't care how many people the devil stirs up. You can't take from me what my God has given me. Yeah, okay, maybe I lose this round, but it's not a one-round fight. <laughs> yeah, how many rounds are there? Enough until we win. <laughs> Okay, it might be a three-round fight. It might be a 15-round fight. I think the record is like 120 or something. But however many rounds we go with the devil, we win. So it is an opportunity for not little joy, but great joy. Because let's be honest, when you fight, it's more fun to win. I, uh, I, I won a pickleball. You knew there was a pickleball story, okay? Friday morning, I'm playing pickleball, and for whatever reason, God opened up and blessed me for a brief moment, and I played out of my mind. <laughs> and I was playing two really, really, really good players, and we not only held our one, we took it to them. And I was like, ah, I feel good. And it, it was better than beating the old ladies in a walker. It, it was so much. It was, not that there are old ladies in a walker, but, but you know what I'm saying? If I'm going to win a fight, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to lose any fights. But a good fight, that's a good fight of faith. That's one where you, there's been a little opposition. There's a joy in that. You got to shift your mindset about problems. You got to quit seeing them as a, an issue and seeing them as an opportunity. Which brings me to the fourth point I want to share this morning, the joy from participation. God's doing stuff. Did you know that? God is doing stuff all over the world. Pat talked about participating with Christina Boyer in missions, and, and God is doing stuff in America. God is doing stuff in Denver and in Centennial and your home. God's doing stuff. And you can be a spectator or you can be a participant in what God is doing. And there is a joy that God wants us corporately to experience as we participate in what he's doing. There's a beautiful example of this in, in, in the Bible, and it's, it's from the letter of Paul to the Romans. And I'm going to read part of it, and then I'm going to put up the last verse. And Paul is talking to, to this, this group of believers. He says, before I come, I must go to Jerusalem, because they want him to come visit. And he says, no, i got a job to do. God, is, God has given me an assignment and i got to fulfill this assignment. And I must go to Jerusalem to take the, a gift to the believers there. And there's, there's poverty and famine and persecution going on there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, those are Gentile believers, have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor amongst the believers in Jerusalem. Okay. They were glad to do this. Glad, happy. It made them happy to give. Because they feel they owe a real debt to them. Since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel the least they can do in return is to help them financially. And as soon as I have delivered this money and completed this good deed of theirs, Paul's participating with them, I will come see you on my way to Spain. And I'm sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. You know, we're doing something together, guys. This has been a good. But dear brothers and sisters, I urge you, and again, 
This is chapter 15, verse 25 to 32. I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Anybody who thinks prayer does not really do anything needs to read the word. You do. You need to read the word. Prayer is powerful if, if you pray powerful prayers. If you just kind of go through a bunch of blah, you know, nothing. But you get, hang around Lisa and her team. You know, you, you'll, you'll move some mountains. Isn't that a good thing to do? But pr- join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me. Prayers that are not motivated by love are powerless. Prayers that are motivated by love do great things. Given to you by the Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, I don't have love for these people. Ask God. The Holy Spirit will give you love. Okay? I could teach all day on this one passage, couldn't I? Pray. This is interesting. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. Then by the will of God, it's God's will, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart because I've participated in something God's doing. And we will be an encouragement to each other. Now, what's happening here? There are these Gentile believers who heard about a need in Jerusalem amongst Jewish Christians, essentially. Now, culturally, if you're a Jew, you don't associate with Gentiles. You certainly don't go to them for help. And what Paul is doing is he is is responding to a a, a motivation. A, A group of Gentiles have felt motivated by the Spirit to go help these Jews out. And so they received an offering, and Paul is asking him, look, I'm going there, but I'm going to have to overcome two things. i got to overcome the fact that the, the Jewish community and, and the people who are there are going to try to stop me from doing this, but also the, the, the cultural barrier of Jewish Christians to receiving help from Gentiles. He's addressing early church you know, cultural you know, racism. I don't know another word for it. You know, and now they all recognize we're Christians, but, but there's an overcoming that has to happen. And Paul's trying to do that. He said, you know, you're not too good to receive help from somebody else, particularly from people who you used to look down on. Smile at me, everybody. I'm, I'm taking this from the Bible. Really, I didn't write it. But it's the truth. Sometimes our pride gets in the way. Sometimes our arrogance gets in the way. Sometimes we have cultural things that stop us from receiving what God has for us. And we need to own that as being a work of the enemy to make the church disunified and weaker. Just saying it. So you want to experience joy? Get involved with what God is doing. And maybe it will require you to overcome some cultural prejudices that have been a part of your upbringing. Not saying it is, but I'm saying it was true then, and there's a chance it's true now. So how can you get involved? Well, there's numerous ways. Getting involved in the prayer ministry, getting involved in serving. You get more out of church if you serve in church. You know, getting involved this week, I know that I was talking to Jordan. He's got, he still has some needs on Saturday, but he needs some people to run some errands during the week because there's just a lot of prep work. And, and if anybody could help during the week, you need to talk to him because he's got opportunities there. But, but also even beyond that, going into 2024, just beginning to adopt in your lifestyle serving others. Getting involved with what God is doing. Getting involved in meeting needs. It will change you. All right. Is this okay? If it's not, nod your head anyway and just tell me, you know, it's all right. It's okay. It's all good. 
Which brings us to the very last thing I want to share. And I've talked about, again, the joy of the word. And I've talked about the joy of opposition. And I've talked about the joy of anticipation and the joy of participation. And the finally is this, the joy from manifestation. And this is our favorite. And, and again, one of the most famous passages in, in all of the Bible is from Luke 2. And it's, it begins in chat, verse 8. That night they were, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. They were terrified. They weren't joy-filled. They were terrified. Okay, But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring to you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Something has happened. Something has manifested. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in stripes of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven on peace and peace on earth to those to whom, with whom God is pleased. There's a manifestation. And sometimes you see God answer prayer and, and you know, you may be terrified like the, you know, really, the shepherds were terrified by the manifestation of God's grace. But maybe you're not terrified. Maybe you're indifferent. Have you, ever, you know, have you ever looked back on something and realized, you know, I should have been more aware that God was doing something. I, I had an experience like that. At, this morning, I was driving to work at 6.55, and I, I put on the classical station. I sometimes listen to that on a, on a Sunday morning or a jazz station or worship, just something, and I kind of get my head in the right place. And, and as I pulled up to a stop, I, I pull up to, I usually just, you know, go straight and don't even pay any attention. I looked to my left, and I saw this. Can you show this? I saw that, and, and <laughs> I just stopped, and I put my car in park. I, I, I rolled my window down. I got my phone out, and I, I snapped, and you can see it on my Facebook, and I'm listening to a song by Mendelssohn, uh, you know, that's just, you know, a glorious, you know, piece of classic music, and I just sat there for a minute, and I went, that is a manifestation of an opportunity to, to meet God, but, but we ought to be aware of that, and that... That, when that happens, we can, we can say, God, you did something good. God, you did something good. And I thank you for that. And I think when we begin to be more sensitive to moments like that, and I don't know how many times I've made that, but I've, I've not seen that before. I've not seen that before. And I'm so grateful that God has done my encouragement to you then is if you want to live this joy-filled Christian life that we're supposed to, if you want to have the joy of your faith, not the obligation of your faith, not the fear of your faith, not the burden of your faith, but the joy of your faith, find a way to experience joy in the revelation of the word. Find a way to, to experience joy in the oppositions that, that rise up. Find a way to experience joy of anticipation as you, we wait for the manifestation of God's great gifts. Get involved. Participate. And then when God begins to answer your prayers, say, thank you, Lord. And, and recognize the gift of his grace. And, and that's, that's the next step in your maturation. That's the next step in your journey. And it's a journey that will continue until Christ returns. Hmm. 
Let's pray. And remember this final thing, I guess. It's healthy to celebrate. It's healthy to celebrate. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what God has done and sharing it with others. Father, we thank you as we bring this, this Advent message of joy to a close. I pray, God, for each and every one. I just want everybody to close their eyes. Really, seriously, everybody close your eyes. Uh, and if you would just be honest with yourself and me, if you've been struggling to really be in a place of joy this holiday, maybe for some very good reasons, maybe you're just going through some really difficult stuff, and you're saying, I'd like, I'd like an increase in the joy in my life, would you just slip your hands up where I can see them? I can see, thank you. Oh, oh boy, howdy, yes, thank you, Jesus. On my left, on the middle, over here on the right. Just keep those hands up. Everybody with your eyes closed. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But God, God, you see those hands. And they're hands reaching up, Father, because symbolically that's where you are. We know you're everywhere, but God, symbolically you're up. That's the way we kind of think of you, Lord. But, but the truth is you're right with us. You're right beside us. You're in our hearts and in our souls. And so we just ask you, Lord, for a special gift of your grace. A special gift of your grace this holiday season. A grace that produces the joy of our faith. If we've bought into a lie, expose it. Let us be unwilling to accept the enemy's deceptions. Because sometimes, God, we just, we, we just accept them. And God, help us to say, no, that's a lie. That's not right. That's not true. And sometimes, God, we don't know enough of your word to even recognize deception. So God, lead us this holiday season to embrace a deeper commitment to knowing your word, to understanding your grace. Help us, Father, to, to endure with joyful anticipation. And to celebrate when we see those moments of your, of your just manifested glory. Lift up everyone with their hands raised and those with not. Everyone online. I, boy, particularly there's some people online. Don't dismiss this. Don't just go, well, I hope that that would work. Take a chance and, and ask God to help. Some of you watching this, you really are not in a... In a what I would say would be a good place with God. You're not in a committed relationship with God. You're, he's kind of in the back part of your thoughts. And you're wondering whether or not the Lord wants you to take a step closer to him. Maybe he wants more of, of your life so he can share it with you. The answer is yes. But the way you do that is you invite Jesus, first of all, into your life as your, as your Savior. You say, God, I, I believe in Christ. I believe he is Lord. I believe, God, that he came to earth to forgive me of my sins, my mistakes. And you, you just admit it. You say, God, I need forgiveness. I've made mistakes. And come on, who can't say that? But there's another step where you say, I, I want to go from being a believer in Jesus to being a disciple. Because that's what God wants us to be, our, our, our disciples. And the way you do that is you make decisions. We won't always make good ones, but, but you say, I'm deciding to follow Jesus. I want to make a change in how I'm living. Because how I'm living isn't working. And ask God to help. Because he will. Just pray that prayer right where you're at online, right where you're at here in this room. Lord, help us this holiday season to be fully devoted 
people who live the joy-filled Christian life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.